0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, too, the winner is coming, Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with a shortened panel this week. It's all Wick Riders, it's Annie Bundle, and Corey Smith. That's right, we're not gonna call him a bastard this week. He's been promoted to Sir Corey Smith. What? You, hey, listen, don't 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 get too excited, it's just for the week. Anyway, uh oh, we're going <laughs> So mean you earned your spurs man all right so so, uh we got a few things to talk about but let's kick off the show with Emmys now Annie again you are a resident expert and I want to say before we start how unbelievably shocked I am that um our guys didn't win I'm not so shocked by the Maggie Smith win like you and I talked about the last podcast but for Harrington and Dinklage not to win and to be beaten by Mendelson for a a, pa- a part on Bloodlines where he's basically a ghost last season in Bloodlines. Spoiler! Um, so uh, tell me what you think about how we did it in, in the Emmys.
1: Um, honestly, I'm not that surprised with the I, – I mean, everybody thinks of the, the actor and actress roles as the sexy ones. Um, right. But the fact of the matter is, is that we had three in one category and two in the other. <laughs> and they split the vote. That's what happens. It was the big uh, part of the reason why Peter Dinklage has been able to win before is he wasn't splitting it with Kit harrington. You think the- he was just mad? You think he was pissed? He had to share? He's like, God damn it. No, I don't think so, because I think Peter Dinklage is a bigger person than that. Um, but, <laughs> I know. You but know, still. I totally I I, 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 I get where I, I get where that comes from, you know. Um, but, yeah, all three of them losing out to Maggie Smith. The best part was that Jimmy Kimmel didn't see it coming. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: And the best part to that was Maggie Smith's response to him. Her
0: response was awesome. Where she said,
1: Please direct me to the lost and found, I'll be on the next plane. She's so classy. Um, But, yeah, I, I. You know, they did still win. I know it feels like they didn't win because we can get to see one of our actors stand up there, but they did actually, they took home outstanding writing and outstanding directing for Battle of the Bastards. Um, Mm -hmm. Outstanding writing is a little ironic since the best part of the Battle of the Bastards, as we all know, was the part where they threw out the script and they just improvised, which is the crush part of the fight, which is what made it so different from everything else.
0: Right. Staffo absolutely deserved the award for the directing part. Oh, absolutely.
1: Part. Uh, he threw up when think, he knew he needed to, and he made it work. But then, of course, then they went for outstanding writing, which is kind of ironic.
0: Well, think about this, though. Here's, here's what I'm thinking about, and I, and I get where you're coming from, but I thought about this when I saw this, is there were some very key moments in Battle of the Bastards where the, where the writing was excellent. First, you had uh, D- Daenerys coming home and her, that, that conversation between, oh, between her and Tyrion. Point and then and then whenever uh they have the masters down and Drogon's winging in the background and she's talking to them. she's like are you sure you want to do it this way are you no this is, this isn't a this isn't a surrender this is your terms of surrender and all that stuff blah 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 and then of course we also had the amazing uh parlay between Ramsay and uh and um Which, the rest of the men of the north but, but so that, that was, was still
1: stolen by someone who had no lines
0: Ah. Uh, I'm just okay.
1: saying. anyway so uh yeah and then of course the you know the big one is still outstanding drama it's literally the last award they give out in the night it's the big one it's bigger than even outstanding comedy right I mean the Emmys even had the members of Hill Street blues which is the original show that held the record of 26 Emmys all time for all those years they actually had Hill Street blues on hand to hand out that award and when That's when okay. they introduced the yeah, and and here and hearing so and so and so and so from Hill Street Blues, I was like, and they know Game of Thrones is winning, and they've asked them to be here for this moment, so they can show Hill Street Blues handing off to Game of
0: Thrones. That's amazing. So that
1: was actually, that was quite good. Um, you know, and then there was the red carpet. You know, I thought, actually, that most of them acquitted themselves quite well on the red carpet. Um,
2: yeah, I you know,
1: I, I I have to say, I loved, uh, Gwen Christie had this cute little cocktail number that I really loved. Uh Kit Harrington and Peter Dinklage, neither of them actually walked the red carpet. Um, they quietly slipped on in and were only photographed afterwards after winning, holding Emmys um, from the Outstanding Drama Award because everybody, everybody gets to hold an Emmy
0: at that point. Um, I liked I liked your tweet about Amelia um, uh, Clark wearing the skin of her enemy. Oh yeah, tweet.
1: well that's because um, she was wearing a, a Versace and. Uh, the the look is a very modern one, very sleek, and she just happened to pick one that was, you know, very close to skin tone, but not actually her skin tone. And I was like, oh look, she's wearing Cersei skin, um, you know. And even I, I know a lot of people hated on uh, Maisie Williams' look. Um, she had very very heavy makeup, and she had like a big fringy. You know, bang thing going on, but I actually, she was doing Macy. Macy doing Macy. Yeah, I know. I, I actually, if, if you just went from like the neck to the knees, I loved her dress. I thought that was adorable. I just, you know, you just kind of had to ignore the head. Um. So yeah, I, I. I <laughs>
0: Sophie it, Turner though is growing has grown into a, a beautiful woman. Like from the moment she she appeared on the show as a little girl, little redheaded brat till now, and I know she's dyed her hair blonde for that movie she's doing. Well, but, you
1: know, she is actually naturally blonde.
0: Yeah, I didn't know she. Was. Yeah, I, I did remember. not she's know that
1: a, she's actually dyed her hair back to her natural color. I I have been schooled. Yeah, I, I um, the red okay. the red is a dye job that she's had for just a really long time and for a really long time because that's how people recognized her. She simply kept yeah. it up in the off season. Um, her dress was technically safe. Um, there are two safety colors that you see on the red carpet, just so people listening understand: red and black if you wear red or black, you are wearing a safety color. That is, and it's partly because of TV audience, you know, TV is more conservative medium than say movies. You know, you don't want to offend people. You want to wear something that, you know, your great, your great aunt Betsy isn't going to like get on Twitter or, you know, call somebody and get, who's on Twitter and say, excuse me, what is she wearing? No, you don't want to do yeah. that. You want to wear something safe. That's actually a little bit why Maisie's look and Amelia's were both my favorites in that way, because they kind of broke that mold. They were a little more daring. Sophie wore a very safe dress. It was black. It was lace. Um, even though it was a see-through dress, she actually had a sheer on underneath. So it was not see-through. Um, it was, you know, very classic with the A-line. Um, and it got her into basically every single person's top 10 list because of
0: it. Well, she did good on that part. Uh, Corey Smith, you wanted to mention Kit, mention Kit Harrington really quick. I was just going to
2: say it was kind of you know it's funny when we we watch him only on screen and then we see him on real life in real life and Sophie Turner is basically towering over <laughs> Kit <laughs> Harrington.
0: So, so short compared. Yeah, to, oh my god, so Sophie Turner just
1: was wearing like four inch heels.
0: That's true. So it's she, true. she is
1: actually like the same height. But yes, that picture of her where she's got her arm kind of around his shoulder. Yeah. And he's like a good half a head. Yeah,
0: she's patting his head like 1 1. Like I, she's 1 1ing him. And
2: it's I so, see him with, uh, I, I forget who it was I saw him say, saying next to. And you're just like, really? They're the same height? I, I mean, he's just kind of a small dude. But, you know, I thought you know, that was.
1: A lot of stuff. actors are shorter than you think. Like uh, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart is like five foot six. He is really short.
0: You would never You'd know never that know
1: either. that on television, but he's actually like, and that goes for a lot of actors. A lot of actors are smaller than you think. Um, I was actually, uh, I live in DC and we went and saw the uh, uh, completely different fandom. Um, we went and saw the enterprise, which is on display at the national uh, air and space museum. And along with it, there is the outfit that Chris Pine wears in the latest star Trek beyond movie. And Holy crap. He's tiny. <laughs> <laughs> like and you like look at the top and you're like, damn, that is like almost like a teenager's size. He is small. Right? No. <laughs> actors are actors are not as big as you think when you see them on screen. It's the screen yeah. that makes it so big. Sure.
0: Well, so uh we at least we pulled down the major awards and that was good. Um so now the Emmys are over and we can get on to Game of Thrones season 7. And all the and all spoilers the,
1: that they let out of all, the red carpet.
0: All the spoilers they dropped. Oh my god. I can't remember and I know they've done this in seasons past and I remember I can remember things like but usually it's stuff like don't you know get, get really excited it's going to be really exciting this season or it's going to be really dark this season. I'm I'm really worried for my character. Those are the kind of things you usually get on red carpets. This year it was like We got a lot of spoilers dropped, so if you're listening to the podcast, uh, I'm going to give you about three seconds to turn back because we're going to drop some spoilers that we found out on the red carpet from the different actors. So three, two, one, now you're in spoiler territory. Now let's talk about really quick – Annie, what was – you wrote a piece today about uh, Sophie and Macy together talking about – Uh, not making it through or certain characters not making it through
1: season seven um one of the things that sophie turner was caught saying um to variety during one of the red carpet interviews is she was like she was basically saying how sad it was everything was wrapping up and she was like well we're all hanging out in belfast together more because we don't want it to end you know well you know at least we have one more season well some of us do (laughs) <laughs> and that was, and then she sort of stopped and she kind of like winked at the camera, like, ha ha ha, I've said something. You know, this year, la- okay, in comparison to last year, yes, they are a lot more loose lipped. Last year, because of the Jon Snow keeping it under wraps, <laughs> no one wanted to say anything. Nobody had any fun last year. No, nothing no, about he-
2: anything. They, nothing.
1: And when, and when things do drop, they were true, total accidents. Like when, uh, at the Oscars, um, Sophie Turner was in the booth with the E people after they get kicked off the red carpet and ABC has it to themselves. And basically E just has to kill time. And they brought Sophie Turner with them. And she, that was when she said the thing where she was like, Oh yeah, I got the script to season six. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm Oh my God. Phew. Oh, yeah. And that I that that. That, came, that was a true accident like she'd been doing shots beforehand kind of true accident. Um but
0: <laughs> shots of vodka these are
1: more this, more this year it's more like we can tease you because there's no books there's no big thing we have to keep under wraps. You know, in the in the really early seasons everybody who read the books knew so it was sort of a dance of trying to say stuff without ever saying stuff. Now it's just none of you know what's happening, so screw all of
0: you. <laughs> it was a dance of book readers. Yes. <laughs> uh, I she she also said uh, during a, an interview with TV Line that um, the guy the interviewer asked her, "Did you cry?" And she said, "Well, I can't say." And then she stopped for a second and then got cheeky and said, "Yes, I did cry." And it's like, "Oh, okay, you did cry, did you?" Oh, you know, like, I, and that can mean that can literally mean anything. Yeah, really.
1: I. Um, I, I don't know about Smith, but I know I'm on record as saying that I don't believe that Sophie Turner survives this year. I, yeah, in the I don't the, think so either. In, right. in the same way as Cersei does not survive this year, we don't know what the details are to get for Cersei to die, but we know that her reign is going to be short and ugly. Right. And with Sophie Turner, we don't know what the details are. We don't know if she's going to get angry at Jon Snow and leave and go off with uh, and go off with Littlefinger. We don't know if she's going to go off with Littlefinger as a ruse to keep him away from Jon Snow. We don't know what the path is. But I just feel like when I try to picture Sophie Turner there and Sansa at facing the Night's King, I go, no, she's not there. She, she, she's she yeah. gone before that. I also kind of feel like Arya won't be at the fight for the Night's King, whether or not she survives because she happens to be somewhere else, completely different.
0: Yeah, I feel like I feel like she'll survive, but I I agree. I don't think she ha- necessarily has to be there for the fight. Yeah, I
1: don't see her at the last. There, there is just characters that I do not see making it to the last. Pack. That's
0: a little. That's a little too much tropish to bring in the assassin. Tra- assassin trained uh, girl. She comes back to Westeros, and then she's in the middle of a, of a fight, swinging her daggers or kneel or, or around, just killing everything. That's a little too much trope right there for me. I think. I think Game of Thrones would avoid that part. She might be else somewhere else manipulating Westeros. Maybe she's I still my theory for Macy Williams or for Arya is that she's still a faceless man. That's my theory. But uh and that she's somewhere uh, else
1: accidentally killing something that actually does affect everything, but we don't realize yeah, it until last year. Exactly.
0: After it I think she I think she'll be carrying out missions for it. I think and I don't I don't think we've seen the last of Jack and Agar either, but that's just my opinion. Um, Corey Smith, you did a spec piece on who might kill Cersei in season seven? Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah,
2: we haven't we haven't officially published it yet on Wick, but uh, you know, it kind of rounded out the the four top characters that most people think will kill Cersei. So you got you got Arya, which we kind of think she might slip into King's Landing at some point. Uh, you got the obvious ones like Daenerys, if Daenerys takes over King's Landing, um, and then you got Tyrion and and Jaime. The prophecy of the Valonqar. Right, so I, you know, I kind of broke it down each one. Um, I don't think it'll be Danny um, per se. I mean, I, I do think Danny will be victorious, but I don't think it'll be Danny that executes Cersei. It, you know, maybe she captures her, but it won't be actually Danny who does.
0: I don't think Cersei would allow herself to be captured. I don't either. Yeah. Uh,
2: that and that's another point. I don't either. So I don't see it being one of them. So that also kind of, to me, eliminates Tyrion because I don't see Tyrion somehow getting into the throne room and then, you know, doing something. So, and then Arya, see, Arya is interesting to me. I could see Arya pulling it off because she has the training, but I feel like if you throw in the prophecy for Jaime, I think Arya might attempt to kill Cersei and fail. Would that be Jaime
1: kills Arya?
2: No! Oh my god, I, don't say that. I don't oh think, god, no, no, I think Arya survives, I just think she like takes a shot and misses, and then, you know, she gets thrown in the dungeon, and then, you know, next thing we know, Danny is invading, and, you know.
0: Think about Arya's list, she's actually pulling it off, she's killing people on her list, and people are dying, that's from her Yeah, I mean, clean. and really... And- Who's she, who does she have left, Cersei so in the Mountain, right? Right, and I mean,
2: the Red Woman was on there at some point. But the Red
0: Woman. She's kind of seemed sure. to have forgotten
2: about her. You know, it doesn't seem like it's someone that she's she hasn't said. You know, when she was outside the temple in season five, she didn't say the Red Woman. Uh, That's true. She, you know, last time she said it, I think it was season four. So, I don't know. So, I feel like it's going to be Jamie who ends up taking out Cersei. You know, I mean, we kind of touched on this before. You know, Jamie saving King's Landing once again. You know, yeah. if if Cersei is going to burn it down, like we all kind of think, she's not going to give up the throne. And if she sees the writing on the wall that she's losing, I think she's going to go full-on kamikaze and just try and take it out. And I think that's where Jamie steps in.
0: What if... Question.
2: Um,
1: yes, go um, ahead. So Arya comes to King's Landing. What if she doesn't take out Cersei, but she does take out the mountain?
2: See, oh. and, and that's another option. I mean, maybe she, she takes out the mountain, which would remove the mountain from protecting Cersei whenever Jaime makes a move. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. I don't know how in the hell she would pull that off. No, but I I could
1: see that being the reason she gets thrown in jail.
2: Yeah. 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 I just assume whatever she does, I don't believe Arya is going to be successful, but I don't think it'll cost her her life. I think, you know, Cersei would be like, oh, throw her in the dungeons and then, you know, we'll deal with her later because we're getting attacked by Danny or whatever. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Something like
2: that, where she takes a shot, she misses, but doesn't necessarily, she doesn't get killed in the attempt. And then Jamie ends up having to step in, because for non-book readers, which I know there's a few that listen to the podcast, uh, in the books, the prophecy that we saw at the beginning of season five included another section about Cersei being killed by her, the Valonqar, which is the younger brother. And starts,
0: but she. But did they come out and say Valonqar on the show? No, don't they've they never.
2: That? I have never, a- never. Yeah. Never. And I. But see, I took that to mean not that they're going for a swerve, but that they're trying to keep that part a little bit of a secret from show reader, from show watchers. Because I feel like if they said, "Oh, you're going to get killed by your younger brother," it, it would take a little bit of it away if it ends up being Jamie. So right. I don't know, so I assume that that's you know because Jamie is her younger brother by a few minutes. Cersei was born first, um, so you know to me, I think it's going to be Jamie. the The more interesting question to me is that whether or not Jamie survives.
0: I think he does. I think I think, and this is what we're, another thing we're going to talk about is. Um, the actor who plays uh, Jamie, we call him MC Dubs because uh, I hate butchering his name, but um, he mentioned that there's going to be some more reunions in Season 7, just like Season 6. And I think the easiest way to say – the easiest reunion we're talking about is him and Tyrion, right? Yeah. Oh, and Bronn. And Braun. That's true. Bronn. There's all, there's all kinds of possibilities for that. So, you know. I think
2: definitely – Tyrion and and Jamie and it would be quite a you know, if if Jamie's still sit you know, if he's sitting on the Iron Throne after killing Cersei, you know, kind of marrying mirroring again, you know, the, how the whole kind of series started with, with Jamie sitting on the Iron Throne when Ned Stark showed up back at Robert, in Robert's Rebellion. I think that would be kind of a really powerful reunion if Jamie's sitting there, Cersei's dead and Tyrion walks in right you know,
1: oh, so speaking of robert's rebellion uh someone else's loose lips on the red carpet suggested that we could get a prequel
2: yeah good old george martin finally let something slip for once um but i think he was like backstage or something wasn't he after they yeah. won and he was kind of you know excited and all that and he's talking about how he's got all this material of prequel stuff and that he's still writing prequel information, um, which if it's not part of Winds of Winter, I'd tell him to uh, put that on pause. But, uh, you know, that, that to me, I mean, when you talk about the amount of prequel history that he wrote, I mean, HBO could literally have some sort of Westeros show on air for the next 20 years. Easy.
0: This is true. Sorry about that. I had my microphone on mute, and I did not know that. I apologize. That's okay. <laughs>
2: um,
1: I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, with uh, with George Martin, uh, one of the things that really disappointed me when the series started was that I was hoping for a lot more of that backstory history of Westeros. Yes. In yes. Game of Thrones.
2: And Absolutely. I have been
1: somewhat mollified by the little cartoons that we get on all of the DVDs or Blu rays. Yeah. What, whatever the version. There's one version good. that hasn't. I always buy that version because damn it, I want those. But you know it's <laughs> not enough. And you know there's so much more. And it's just like HBO wants a prequel, George Martin wants to sell them a prequel. The only people who don't actually really want to do a prequel right now. Are Betty off and White because they really want a year
0: off? <laughs> They're tired. They're very <laughs>
1: tired. I mean, seriously. Like one of the things about, uh, but one of the things about their speeches was, uh, one of them apologized to his kids. He's like, "I'm so sorry, I'm never home." And I'm like, "Oh, that's heartbreaking." Like, yeah, okay, <laughs> that that's that's okay, right? But, like, and they deserve a year off. I will totally give them that. But that I think really that's the only thing right now that's holding it back is they don't want to give it to another production company.
2: You don't think so?
1: Okay, I think they will if push comes to shove. But right. they really want—if they could have Benioff and Weiss do it—they really want that. In the same way
0: that, like, they do, they really
1: do. in the same way that, like, people really wanted it to be Peter Jackson who did the Hobbits when Indeed. the Lord of the Rings was over. Now that's turned yeah. be a terrible idea, so maybe they'll not do that. But you know what? You get what I'm saying.
2: But do we? Well, here, here's my other question: Do we know how much the HBO deal covers as far as the prequel stuff?
0: No. All, all we know is that they're willing to do. Like they've talked about ten seasons, they're willing to go as far as Vinny and Weiss will take them. But, oh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. They mentioned the number that's always been thrown out is ten seasons. But you're talking about it, you're talking about a company that uh, has cut some excellent shows short uh, for whatever reason. And I'm talking about Deadwood specifically, but I mean – and then they let another show like True Blood go way too long. So uh, I, I really don't know, man. Like I, I think that if there was some way that um, they could bring in a, a hot new showrunners to do a prequel season, I don't think Benioff and Weiss would have too much of a problem with it to be honest with you. And I think HBO might be open to it. It's just they have to find the right guys. They have to find the right people to do it. It's kind of like the whole thing that's going on with uh, Star Wars right now, how they're doing different directors for different movies, and the standalone films like Rogue One and the Han Solo movie. They're all doing these different new directors, and they're all, especially the standalones, are all hot young directors who, who you know, their their work is kind of like uh, lauded as exciting, new, and groundbreaking. So if HBO found a showrunner or a pair of showrunners like that, like like Benioff and Weiss were when they took over Game of Thrones, Right. Um, I, I, I imagine that they would be willing to do something like that.
2: Yeah, because I mean, I just, I don't know, you know, because like with the Hobbit, you know, with the, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit stuff, I mean, you know, kind of similarly, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien had written so much prehistory to all that stuff, but... Uh, New line did not have the rights to a lot of that stuff. Right, you know they only had the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings stuff. They didn't have a lot of the, you know, all the similar alien and all that stuff that right. I can't pronounce. Right. So well, I, we're getting I just super wonder. here no, I, I just. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying. I that, just wonder I how much the deal with HBO covers, whether or not it covers, you know, all the way back to Aegon and his sisters, or
1: okay. what you know, we know like of what. HBO's deal covers right now. HBO's deal with *Benny Off and Wife* is only for George R.R. Martin's actual novels. What that covers.
2: The
1: books. Okay. Now, yeah, the books. They have a exclusive development deal with George Martin. Now, and that's why when the Wildcard series went to NBC Universal. George Martin has said very specifically on his blog that he has nothing to do with this. It is his co-editor who is doing it with him. He cannot actually be involved because of his contract with HBO. Any television show he wants to do, he has to get approved by HBO, which means that any prequels that he sells will go to HBO first.
2: Gotcha. Well, I mean... And, you know, it sounds like he's kind of trapped, but, I mean, honestly, would we want any other network, you know, kind of making the shows after this? You know what I mean? I
1: wouldn't mind if it was that they decided to get in bed with the BBC, because, you know, they were in bed with the BBC originally, and the BBC pulled out and panicked when they saw the pilot and said, we can't do this, this is not going to work, this is way too expensive, we can't afford this, and basically walked away. Um, which is why it's now on sky Atlantic, um, and not on the BBC, but it's also why we have all those BBC actors as part of the original cast. Um, and so I wouldn't be like, I would not be adverse to if there was a prequel development deal that the BBC being a part of it, but I feel like for an American audience, HBO is the only place where it's safe.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Agree for sure. Um, Let's move on. Uh I wanna talk about the spoilery uh, bit we got uh, uh involving Thoros of Mir, um the actor Paul K, right? Is that his name? Paul yes. Paul K. Yes. yes. Uh there's going to be um now I didn't get to get into all of the story and I know it just came up, but there was a casting call and then and then there's he's gonna be some significant time in season seven with Paul K. So let's talk about that really quick. Uh Annie, what do you think w- would involve Thoros of Mir with a significant time? Okay,
1: the first, thing I said, the first thing I said when I saw that was, okay, so Melisandre is going to run into them, and they're all going to go north. That's what, uh, that, that was my first yeah. reaction. That takes the mountain. No, I'm sorry. sorry that, was, that takes the hounds north. That, takes, yeah. ma- that gives Melisandre a reason to go back without actually having to go to Jon Snow, right? Like, she, she knows where the fight is. The fight is not south right? She right. knows where the enemy is and she knows who is going to defeat the enemy. She now can't be by his side, but that doesn't mean she doesn't still believe in him and she doesn't still believe that her god has made it so that she lived all these years so that she can help him in some way. So they're going to be like um I, I, in in my world, like, the way I think of it is, you know how in Doctor Who, there was a, towards the end of David Tennant's run, like, you would have adventures where, like, the Torchwood people would be there on the screen, and they're off mm-hmm. to the side doing something that helps. I love
0: that so much, by the way. Yeah. I love I loved the Torchwood crossover. But the,
1: when the, tor- like, I feel like they're going to be, like, the little Torchwood team.
0: <laughs> John Snow and
1: Danny and and the main and the main fight against the against the, the Night King, right?
0: I love that. I love that so much. So, yeah. <laughs> Game of Thrones, torch glue. <laughs> kind of. But
1: like you know what I mean? Like they're kind of the common folk who happen to have some magic and happen to have figured out that this is where the fight is and they're gonna go to the fight and they're gonna do whatever they can as the little people.
0: Could this be a way? And I don't. We obviously we don't know yet how much time is going to pass between season six and season seven, unless they've come out and said it already. But um, could this be a way, um, a vehicle to put Brienne and Pod with the Brotherhood and have them go up north? Like, think about this. You combine Brienne and Pod because you know they're going back towards Winterfell, right? And then you have uh, the Brotherhood Without Banners. You have Melisandra. What if they all meet at the end of the crossroads? <laughs> well, there is
1: only one end, isn't there?
0: <laughs> I know, and they all meet there for some reason. Anyway, they meet somewhere, and they all decide to travel back up north. This also provides a little bit of protection for Melisandra because I don't think Beric or Thoros would allow Jon to hang her as a murderer. Remember he told her, if you, if you return to the north, I'll, you'll be hanged as a murderer. Uh, I don't. But then again, you have the Davos problem, because Davos said if he sees her again, he'll he'll kill her himself. So there's a. I mean, that's that makes an excellent drama. That makes for some excellent drama. But um I don't know. It kind of seems like to me, if they're gonna move these guys together, why not lump in Pod and Brienne? Why not lump in these other?
1: Well, guys? my first th- my first answer to that is because Brienne is a single-minded loyalty idiot. Um, and her single-minded loyalty idiots, uh, uh, has sworn her allegiance to Sansa, and she can't, she can't possibly go anywhere else. Yeah. That would totally be like, no, in her brain, like, she would be like, I can't believe. Well, I'm just saying that she,
0: as they're traveling north, they're like, oh, hey, look, it's, it's you. Oh,
1: I guess that's true. <laughs>
0: Like, I guess maybe Pod would recognize somebody. Okay. Uh, wow, Smith. Holy crap. <laughs> anyway, your your mic is wide open. Oh, shit. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Take the Black Live right what there. What happened?
2: <laughs> Did you shit yourself? What are you talking about?
1: Moving like, on. No, I was, <laughs> okay, I was fucking
2: anyway. around with my, my headphones. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, we're having
0: fun. Listen, okay. so you wanted to talk about this. All right. So,
2: so, so to me, when you start talking about what Doros Amir – why would he have an expanded role? And to me, the only the only important thing that he does to the story is, other than Melisandre, he's the only other one who knows how to bring people back from the dead, right? This is true. So to me, that is that would be the reason to expand his role, because otherwise he he doesn't do anything that you can't get from another character, right? So
0: you're not going well, with he, this where I think you're going with this, are you? What are you talking about? Yeah, but lead us into this. Okay, so there's
2: there's two sides to this. Either a he's going to turn into some you know, bringing people back from the dead to help John out, you know, crazy person, or and this is the, this is the part that probably.
0: I need to get my tinfoil hat real real quick before you continue? My, yeah, you I put, got it right. Next put it, to it on, wrap
2: it on tight, <laughs> put right. a little spike on top. Um, so to me, I think that it would that. They might be going in the direction of showing us what happens to people that are brought back from the dead, and they might be doing that via uh, Beric Dondarrion. And, well,
0: I think – why would they have not – like we we hadn't seen the Brotherhood since Season 3, am I correct? And right. then all of a sudden they pop up in Season 6. Barrick is no worse for wear. He's got his wits about him. In fact, he's he's uh giving jibes back and forth – jabs back and forth with the Hound. Like I d- – but. I think if they were gonna show the 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 slow
2: wasting whatever, waste whatever de- yeah.
0: wasting away or decomposition of somebody who's been come back to life many times, wouldn't it have been the perfect opportunity to show the shell of a man then?
1: I yes.
2: I don't know. I mean I I, I, I gotta agree. I, I, I gotta
1: agree with Razor here.
2: I see what you're saying, but also I think that that they might have been pushing that aside because we had so much going on in season six. John just came back we we want to have hope that he's going to be living for a long time and that everything's going to be hunky-dory. But if we see slowly through season seven that that Beric is kind of not all there and might be dying, dying this time around, and maybe Thoris is still keeping him alive somehow, I don't know. I mean, to me, that would kind of foreshadow Jon's fate, and you don't want to do that right after you brought him back to life in in season six. So...
0: What, what about this? Um, remember a few podcasts – this is three or four podcasts ago. Isis had that excellent hearts and mind campaign of Danny's, where um, the theory that she would bring the red, the red priestesses and priests over to uh, proselytize all of Westeros. What if Thoros and Melisandra bring the um, – and the north is really known for sticking to the old guys. but what if they tried to proselytize the north? With uh, Melisandre and Thoros, what if he's trying to bring people to the Red God without being so abrasive as Melisandre was? Melisandre, you got to think about it. When she showed up on, on the screen, she was burning the gods, the, the, stat, the icons of the gods, and then she was burning people, right? right. right. Thoros, has, Thoros has never done that. He's always been about fair trial by combat, and if the Lord sees you guilty, then you'll die. If, if, if you're innocent, you'll live. Like, uh, his way might be better than Melisandre's way, and maybe she'll see that. I don't know. But um, it does say that he's got an expanded role. I'm glad because I like him. I like the actor, and I like Thoros of Mir. He's always been one of those guys I've always wanted to know more about. So that might be pretty fun to see. We also have a casting call that um, they're looking for a fierce warrior, uh, a, male, a male age 35 to 40, uh, ideally he'll be mi- Middle Eastern heritage, uh, charismatic, at least six foot tall, possess an intimidating muscular physique, and be willing to get fitted for a long-haired wig. So what does that tell you? Dothraki. Dothraki. Yeah, and right. I mean this almost is an exact uh, description of uh, Karl, uh Morrow from last season, right? Right. Like this, this, uh, that's, that's who I'm thinking. So there's going to be – to me this says that – out of all the new the new horde the new Dothraki horde that Danny has that comes across the Narrow Sea, one of them is going to pop up and be a lively character, right? One of them is going to be probably the leader of the Dothraki for Danny, like her lieutenant for the Dothraki, is what I'm thinking. Especially since uh, Daria will is, is supposedly supposed to be a marine during this time.
1: Um, I also we should note that they are casting about seven thousand horses.
0: <laughs> Yeah. I thought it was 70,000.
1: No, 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 no,
0: no. It's not 70,000. That's impossible. All the horses. All the horses. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, I'm thinking of something else. I apologize. Yeah. All the horses. No, yeah, you're right. 7,000. Man, where did I get that number from? It's all anyway, uh, yeah, that's a lot of horses, and the company that's uh, hiring them uh, or the, the the Spanish website we got that news from said that the horses are supposed to be used for smoke and noise. Which I guess is a bad translation on Google Translate. Probably meant like uh, dust. Like du- horse, a lot of horses in an area will kick up a lot of dust. Correct? Yeah. So, um, you know, and of course the Game of Thrones production team can CGI the crap out of them. So seven thousand can be seventy thousand Dothraki screamers. I guess riding through, uh, screaming and killing everything. But we surmised during this article, and I'm the one that wrote this one up, that this could be the Dothraki because. The same in the same area, they had a casting call for men who were willing to shave their facial hair, uh, and and, be, and so we surmised that then Unsullied would be paired with the Dothraki at a landing. Now here's where it gets tricky. Um, Caracara, am I pronouncing it right? Caracas, 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 Caracas. Man, I'm off on my pronunciations, and I apologize. My game is flat tonight, but Caracas. Um, is go, we think is going to be standing in for King's Landing, correct, that, in, uh, in Season 7? That's
1: kind of the assumption, because we haven't seen them go anywhere else where it could fit. Um, they're not going back to the places they used before, so it's sort of like, you know, each year, since they left uh, since they left Dubrovnik, basically somewhere else stands in for King's Landing every year, so we're basically guessing until the sets actually show up and we see what's written
0: down the side. Right, and so what we've got... There was another. Uh, there were people. They were talking about a seaside town uh, that's going to be serving for kind of like um, a battle near the water. <laughs> I'm surmising this, and it could be completely way off, way off the chain here. But what if everything we've we think is happening will not happen? What if Danny? And her Dothraki and her and slowly land at Blackwater Bay, especially if this is stand, the stand-in for King's Landing. What if they just sail right into Blackwater Bay and hit it? I mean, you've already got all the wreckage of the ships there. Tyrion's not there to hold the chain or hold the ships and, and, and whatever wildfire. And we don't know that Cersei has enough wildfire left or knows of enough wildfire to light Blackwater Bay on fire. She might, but we don't know that she does. What if Danny sails straight into King's Landing? Boom! We have a battle. Cersei's dead. Danny's standing over the dragon pit. What do you guys think? And it's really just that easy. I, yeah, I think so. Anti-climatic
2: as fuck. I mean, you only have seven episodes, right? So what are you gonna do? You're gonna start. I mean, and the other thing you gotta remember is why land anywhere else? I mean, if, if you if you got Dorne as an ally, you've got the the Reach as an ally. Why would you land anywhere else other than King's Landing? You know, right right outside it. You don't need to land south and make your way north. You already control those areas. So I would say, you know, you land pretty damn close to King's Landing, then just get the damn thing over with. I mean,
0: that's what I, yeah. If you got all the unselling and all those horses, right. uh, The mud, is it the mud gates, the the weakest gate of King's Landing? If they hit the mud gate, it's over.
2: Right. I mean, I, I think, you know, you land somewhere nearby. You, you know, assault the city. And it doesn't have to be over in one episode. I mean, we've never seen multi-episode battles.
0: It could be a siege.
2: Right. I mean, and, and we talked about, you know, all the the women on the red carpet were talking about the epic battle scene. I mean, what would be... That
0: was what we were, Yeah, yep.
2: So what would be more than just, a, you know, a couple episode long battle? I mean...
0: Amelia, Amelia Clark was asked... Uh, um, if there – being that we had such a huge battle in the Battle of the Bastards in Season 6, if we would see anything like that in Season 7, and she said that it was going to be epic. Right. So we are looking for an epic battle, which we kind of already assumed, right? Didn't we assume there would be some kind of battle in Season 7? There has to be if Cersei's going to die, yeah. right? It's just
1: a matter yeah. of how if, – if, if she sails directly into Blackwater Bay and defeats Cersei within like the first three episodes, what's Urien doing?
2: no that's true he's a wild card yeah i still feel like she she runs into euron on the way like the first couple you know two three episodes and then four or five whatever happens there you know because we talked about how euron is going to take one of the Greyjoys captive and all that stuff i figure four or five she makes her way to king's landing and then six seven she's assaulting king's landing and you know reinstalling, you know, herself on the throne afterwards. So I don't think you you have to have one or the other. I think you can have Euron in the first couple episodes, and then afterwards, you know, towards the end of the season, you have her taking down King's Landing and taking out Cersei.
0: And you don't necessarily have to have Euron and Cersei pair up, to be honest with you. Yeah, they could be
1: working completely independently. It's us who always assumed that they will team up.
0: I did have a theory that Euron sails to Old, Old Town and causes some destruction there, and that makes Sam have to leave. Like he gets his knowledge and he be bails, but uh, you never know. You never know. Um, are there any more spoilers that they that were spilled on the red carpet that we haven't talked about tonight in our little group, our little – I think we've
1: got – I think we hit just about all of them.
0: I think we've hit them all. So listen – Um, Tonight was kind of a short podcast, and that's okay. We don't always have to run an hour or two hours, as is our our want sometimes. But uh, hopefully next week, Corey Thone and Isis will feel better. Uh, She's she's feeling under the weather. Hopefully she'll feel better next week, and we'll have Corey Thone back from his uh, business trip. So for myself, for Razor, for any bundle – who is now running Culturist? Go check it out. It's a great website. You should, you, you for, should read
1: our Game of Thrones coverage. To, today we actually uh, – Harry uh, Daniel Radcliffe himself, Harry <laughs> Potter, said that he wanted to be on Game of Thrones, and so we fantasized about what it would be like if he was trying to pitch himself as part of House Stark.
0: You hit the hat trick with that. You had that on Wizards, you had that on Culturist, and you had that on Game of Thrones. Good grief. I know. Ooh. Like
1: Seriously, it was one of those things Dan like flagged it for me, and I'm like – bring me everyone
0: everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's hilarious I love it and uh guys Corey Smith I gotta say I think you've earned your spurs man I think we can quit calling you a bastard how about that alright
2: I, I appreciate it I'm, I feel happy <laughs> I won't cry myself to sleep tonight <laughs>
0: alright guys listen thanks for listening we'll be back next week with a lot of magulas.